Hello and welcome to the American Cinema Foundation Movie Podcast. I am your host, Titus, and today in our critic series, I am joined again by my good friend Armand White for a discussion and the defense of Zack Snyder, the youngest of the American directors of note. Armand is a great defender of Zack Snyder, a critic who interprets and promotes the work of this very visually focused director. Armand has especially championed the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which has been released this spring. So 2021 is a year with two movies for Zack Snyder. Hello, Armand. It's very good to talk to you again. I was as incensed as you were at the recent Variety hit piece on Zack Snyder. And of course, I turn to you since you reflect on the media, not only on cinema. You always think about what is happening in our cultural moment and whither are things tending. So what got your blood up and what are you thinking about this attack now on Zack Snyder, who has had a wonderful 2021? Finally, two movies, Justice League, his cut. You were very involved in releasing the Snyder cut as a critic. And now Army of the Dead, which seems in a way returned to the beginning of his career in 2004 with Dawn of the Dead. Instead of receiving praise, encouragement, in a way it's a man who's resurrected his career. Instead, he gets a hit piece. So what are your thoughts? Well, there was a very interesting development that happened at Variety. And of course, I'm often suspicious when mainstream media exercises its power, and especially when it exercises its power in a way that attacks good work. And it's very interesting this variety piece happens at a moment that should be a moment of celebration or triumph and success for Zack Snyder, following all the troubles he had finishing Justice League and then getting a new assignment to do a movie at Netflix, which is Army of the Dead. The attack is interesting because, of course, as it usually happens in mainstream media, you only get attacked when you're doing something good. If you make a lousy movie, the media tends to uh, either support you or look the other way. But when you do good work, there's always someone in mainstream media who wants to object to that success, as if the real purpose is to uh, prevent Zack Snyder from enjoying his success or from exercising his freedom of expression. That's why I like that you call the Variety article a hit piece, because it seems like a hit piece. This is a moment in which Zack Snyder seems to have finally found a large audience, and yet power brokers, gatekeepers in the media don't like it. I guess this being Variety, we shouldn't be surprised because Variety is another example of fake news media that has seen an enormous decline in its quality and its ethics and principles and practices over the last few years. And so, of course, it is Variety that attacks Zack Snyder. And in the silliest way, using that foolish phrase that his Man of Steel movie about his first Superman film has no heart. Who talks that way anymore? Who thinks that way anymore? And certainly, who thinks that way about art? We don't think of art in terms of heart. We think about meaning. We think about style, execution, artistry. We don't talk about heart. Heart seems to me a very weak complaint to make about a work of art, which I guess really just points to the inability of a publication like Variety to deal with art in serious terms. So they do an attack on him that's silly, emotional, and to some extent, kind of ad hominem attack on Zack Snyder as if Zack Snyder lacks heart. There's so many lousy, inhumane, thoughtless movies being made, but Zack Snyder gets picked out with the allegation of lacking heart. But I was happy to see that there were many viewers who came to Zack Snyder's defense. The thing that distinguishes Zack Snyder, the thing that we can talk about seriously, is that his filmmaking is emotional. It seems obviously inspired by feeling. And he is a filmmaker who is able to express his feelings. 
to say that he has had no heart, I guess the implication is he has no feeling, is just blind and stupid. Yeah, that's right. I thought immediately of two things when I saw this preposterous accusation. It seems like a, a secret way to say that Zack Snyder should stop making movies about men. Most of his movies are about male heroes. Not entirely, not exclusively. There's, of course, also Sucker Punch, which is almost entirely exclusively about young women and how heroism might liberate young women. He has made a movie for kids as well. How could somebody say that he lacks heart? Well, if you don't like the fact that he thinks superheroes primarily men and that somehow that speaks to Americans most, then you might want to attack him. And I think this ties to a second line of argument that critics, unlike audiences, have leveled at Zack Snyder for a decade now, that somehow his movies are too dark or too gritty. There's something wrong with him because his movies are not Iron Man or Avengers, as though, among other things, America were not big enough to have two styles of comic book movies. And I think the, both of these criticisms come around to saying, who does Zack Snyder think he is to pour out his heart into the superhero movies? Who does he think he is to appeal to his audience? Indeed, audiences have never found any difficulty responding to his cinema, precisely because, as you say, his feelings come across visually and kinetically as you are the champion in our generation of criticism with respect to this aspect of movies, the kinetic power of images. Who does it better than Zack Snyder, or at least more impressively in our time? Nobody. How could you complain about this guy? Well, maybe because he's too daring. He has a vision. And that's woefully lacking in most of Hollywood. Yes, and I guess they're also implying how dare he challenge the authority of the Marvel franchise, which is a franchise of, in my view, very juvenile, childish movies that say nothing. They simply keep the Hollywood commercial mechanism running. Any filmmaker who challenges that must be brought down. When you look at it that way, there's no way of denying that the variety attack is a hit job with political reasoning behind it. And the political reason is to some ways stop Zack Snyder's individual expression, but also uh, to take issue with the ideas he raises about spirituality, ideas he raises about masculinity, femininity, ideas he raises about sex, ideas he raises about heroism. And so I think the variety hit piece becomes a platform by which you can attack those things. You can attack traditional gender behavior, gender traits. You can attack traditional religion and spirituality. You can attack Western myth by attacking Zack Snyder, by saying in, in some way that he's insufficient, when in fact he is the contemporary filmmaker who best exemplifies ideas about Western culture, Western civilization, and religion, heroism, virtue, morality, and goodness. All these things are richly expressed in his movies. And I think by attacking Man of Steel, which I think is possibly the best of his films, that's a way to attack the beliefs that are present in a film as fine as Man of Steel. Yeah, and maybe we should talk a bit about Man of Steel, because it shows indeed a rare attempt to put together a vision of America that challenges both our longing for something good and great to hold on to and in light of which to act, and of course also the national drama. America has not been doing well. We look around and we ask, what are we about here? Why do Americans hate each other so much now? And of course, why is the media making it worse? Just like we see on the one side, politicized media attack on a director of note, an artist, 
So also we can look at things the other way around. With Man of Steel, we see Zack Snyder trying to work against the corruption that the media kind of silly entertainment works in America and try to restore to audiences the honesty with which we get angry, the honesty with which we feel heartbroken, and we look for something to make sense of our drama. And he stages this as a great conflict that, in a sense, corresponds to the intensity of our passions. Right. I think that goes to the need for myth. I say it goes to what makes his movies fascinating. He is exploring those questions of the need for myth and exploring what we once used to believe in, the faith that's now being attacked from so many angles. And he's interested in exploring that and in that exploration, recovering it, recovering the things that give us sustenance, the things that are edifying to us. One thing that distinguishes Man of Steel from Marvel is this sense of belief. The biblical allegory of Man of Steel works that way. It seems so obvious that people who object to Man of Steel are objecting to the biblical allegory. They don't want that anymore. They want a kind of a godless, nihilistic point of view that you get in the Marvel films, a point of view where an oligarch like Tony Stark is the new god. He is the person who will provide salvation for the world through his money and ego. And that's what mainstream media like Variety likes. They don't want any challenge to that. You know, the good thing is... I think Snyder's art is, is too good to ignore, too powerful to ignore. He, he's taken the place that Spielberg used to occupy in the popular culture. And thank God for that. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to behold to see how Snyder deals with myth, deals with spirituality, deals with the ideas that give our civilization stability. His characters, Superman and Batman, these superheroes are always in quest for something. And yet the eternal verities are present in the storytelling that Snyder accomplishes. Yes, exactly. There's all the conflicts in these movies are so impressive and the antagonists in his stories are remembered by audiences in a way nobody remembers any antagonist in any Marvel story because he is serious about the questing aspect. Our longing for a stable moral order is not easy peasy. It's not something we can take for granted. And of course, there's a tragic side to our nature. Trauma itself is somehow constitutive of who we are. We turn to stories and to to see our conflicts played out as they really are in our souls, in the sort of mythic element in a superhero story, this may be the only way it was possible in this generation to tell these stories about what's tearing us apart, because otherwise we are stuck with, on the one hand, fake claims of expertise that essentially tell Americans to stop caring and just do what they're told, or on the other hand, these jokey, sarcastic Marvel movies that tell them there's no big deal, there's no problem. Don't take yourself seriously. Don't take your heartbreak seriously. Whereas, at least in the element of myth, of storytelling, of beautiful images, Snyder says what you fear and what you hope for, these things make you who you are. You should pay as much attention as you can to them. You should articulate as well as possible. And this is America. Somehow it is tied up with the Christian hope that we see indeed in Superman, which is not something entirely in our powers. We like the movie experience. Faith also reminds you that you may pray, but you cannot have guarantees or you cannot take things for granted. You can't be sarcastic. You can't be too sure of yourself. It reminds you of your limits and of your fallibility. And that's a very vulnerable thing to put an audience to. And aside from Snyder, nobody now does that. And I especially like your comparison of Snyder to Spielberg, who indeed was the director who for more than a generation showed that in America, populism is tied with deep beliefs 
that are noble, that are good, that show America is worthwhile, deeply troubled, but always worthwhile. We don't have much of that now. Right. It cannot be denied that the trouble that Zack Snyder had with Warner Brothers has to do with a, a kind of cultural and political change. The Marvel movies made a lot of money based on a, an unfortunate turn in the culture, a turn towards nihilism and toward childishness in film fiction, as Warner Brothers itself made a lot of money from in the Harry Potter franchise, and particularly in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which were the prime examples of nihilism in popular entertainment. Ironically, he gets an opportunity because of those successes, but he's, he switches it around because he is a serious artist. And when his serious art then doesn't perform the way the Marvel movies do, his producers at Warner Brothers turn their back on him. He's in a place where he has to fight them more than ever before. And now a mainstream publication like Variety fights him too. But the fight isn't even a fight about filmmaking. It's not even a fight about aesthetics. I think it is a fight about ideas. It's a fight about morality. And so his art is rejected because his morals are rejected. His, his beliefs are rejected. His aesthetic and artistic interest is being rejected. This is something worth noting, worth paying attention to, because I think if we do pay attention to it and talk about it, it gets us closer to a better understanding of the movies themselves. <laughs> Zack Snyder's biggest hits have been his superhero movies, but his superhero movies are ironically all about not being super, but about being human and about being human in the most complicated ways, as, as you had suggested, about the struggle to be human, to maintain one's soul, frankly. And that makes them very rich experiences the way Spielberg's films used to be. That's, that's why I wrote Make Spielberg Great Again. Who knew, who knew that the answer would be Zack Snyder? But, uh, but that's, that's what's fascinating about his movies. That quest to be human, that struggle to be human is apparent, I think, in, in all of his movies. Even in the great Legend of the Guardians, <laughs> the Owls of Gahul, and even in his female-centered Sucker Punch. And the film that I think is the most complex and remarkable of all of his movies, I think I'm in the place where I'm tossing up Man of Steel and Watchmen, because both of them get better every time I watch them. The complexity of both of those films, the daring of, of the narratives in both of those films, well, there's nothing else like it, frankly. He's risen to Spielberg's place. Yeah, I think those movies, especially as they came out back to back, showed what confidence this man has when he deals with things that, especially, of course, in the case of Superman, are part of America's memory, important part of 20th century self-understanding of the nation, somehow trying to put morality and power together. In the case of Superman, we see a positive vision. In the case of Watchmen, we can see largely a negative vision about how the longing for power corrupts various American types that are fairly recognizable. And again, it is an attempt to recuperate 20th century history. He's, he's dealing with America's memory. He's dealing with the realities of America, even though he does it in the element of fiction, of comic books, of superheroes. It's deeply serious. And it, these are stories that once would have been told by famous novelists, but are now told by famous directors. That's where the art that speaks to both the youth of America and to the problems of America historically, i.e. tries to educate, in a way, the youth of the nation, which not a lot of people are trying to do. 
Now it is done by directors, and Zack Snyder, with the arrival of Man of Steel or after Watchmen, showed that this was his major concern, that he was going to be the director who looks at what's happening to America's youth and tries to show them where their place is in the American drama, and that they do have a place in this drama, that their struggle is somehow part of a long story of trying to establish freedom in America in a human way something that will neither corrupt people, we could say broadly, money corrupts people, but it's a much more complicated matter. On the other hand, a kind of humanism can redeem that. In the case of Superman, he is, especially it was reproached that his movie takes so much effort to show us what it would take for our desires to come true, for power and goodness to be compatible, for a hero to emerge who would be all-American, who would not try to ruin America or to destroy Americans by taking away their humanity, but who would understand his own vulnerability and relate in that way with other human beings. That was a daring portrayal of Superman, but it was not disloyal to the story of Superman throughout the generation since the 30s. It was maybe the best version of that story that we have. And also something like you would say, well, this Man of Steel is why maybe in another generation, another artist will pick this story up again. He might disagree in some things with Snyder. He might look at the matter differently, but surely any, any artist worth his salt will be inspired by such a daring and complex portrayal that tries to say, on the one hand, Superman is about our longing for God. On the other hand, surely what we, one thing we look to in Christ is that he was man and God. Therefore, we should ask how, how an American man could achieve power without becoming corrupted in the process by this new notion that he can do whatever he wants to somebody else because his intentions are good. Mm -hmm. And the Man of Steel is deeply concerned with this. Why not do what our powerful elites today do? They say our intentions are good, so it doesn't matter what we do to whoever we do it. And we have the power to do it, so nobody else matters. Superman is the opposite of that. He learns painfully through suffering personal suffering rather than imposing suffering on others, that you always have to worry about other people as well. And if they disagree with you, you can't simply force them to obey as our increasingly tyrannical woke liberal alliance tries to do. I agree with you. And the most moving parts of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman are about that struggle. You can apply another biblical term to it, passion in Jor-El's Clark Kent's suffering. One of the wonderful things that Snyder has done with this comic book genre is that he's redeemed what Christopher Nolan did to the Batman character. Snyder has given deeper humanity to the Batman character. He's not a uh, dark, obfuscated character anymore. He is a, a human being whose agony, whose passion is very clear and very relatable. Who would have expected it from, from a comic book origin <laughs> that it would be enriched this way? And so it's a marvelous thing to behold Zack Snyder delving into that very human son of God passion. Yes, with moving onward on the basis established Man of Steel, eventually Zack Snyder gets to Justice League. And as you said before, this also shows the perfect form of the conflict between the critical love of Marvel and better appreciation for Zack Snyder's movies because he was fired from his movie and Mr. Marvel, Mr. Avengers, Joss Whedon himself was hired to finish his movie, to bowdlerize it, 
and the result was catastrophic. But the fans stayed true to Zack Snyder, and in a case that must be unique in Hollywood history, at any rate in recent decades, he was brought back to his project on the strength of popular approval. Zack Snyder's return to the Justice League and the completion of Justice League is like a Zack Snyder movie. You may think that his movies are over the top or too moralistic or earnest, but they also happen in reality. The fact that people believed in him made him a hero and got that is say gave him a chance to finish his work and actually do this thing. With it, you see, in a way, the end of comic book movies. Justice League has this remarkable ambition to portray a certain hope for America. What if you can have something like this league? What if you can have associations, friendships where people strengthen each other? What if you could have something of a solution to the desperate loneliness typical of the internet generation? And as much as they like Marvel movies, it's because they're damaged goods. They are forever coping rather than making friendships or falling in love and risking their hearts, putting their lives on the line. The Justice League is an attempt to show that, no, the American way is to look for allies, to try something difficult, to prove to each other that you're worth something and to achieve something good together. That's what makes this team so recognizable and, of course, so unlike all these nonsensical charade-like stories Marvel puts together, which seem to be mostly about neurotic characters bitching to one another and therefore lack any of this beauty and the attention to why we admire in the first place. With uh, his trademark slow motions, especially in Justice League, Snyder shows us what it means to look lovingly on something, to have this combination of the experience of the beautiful. You, You feel stunned, arrested, everything slows down, as though you're out of time and part of eternity now. And on the other hand, how this in the drama ties up with agony, with these characters desperately trying to reach out to something, to grasp something, to help somebody, and you don't know if they're going to make it. This combination of longing and agony is the trademark of Zack Snyder and shows, unlike most of what passes for entertainment or art in Hollywood, this is a vision. This is an artist at work. I agree. To make movies about longing, about passion, about effort, about struggle, and to have those movies recognized by a large audience is a beautiful thing. Who could ever have imagined that there'd be, shall we say, a kind of cultural plebiscite where the audience unites and petitions for something good to occur, and it happens. The result, Zack Snyder's Justice League is kind of magnificent. You'll have to ask me in a year or more, you know, whether it's equal to Man of Steel and Watchmen, but we should live with it for a while before I leap to that statement. But it's a wonderful thing to behold that he was able to finally pursue his vision and achieve it as well as he did. And as you said, making heroism not a simple thing, but a complicated place of existence and of being. And that that one has to think about, not simply cheer. And that, in a simple way, is is what I found most remarkable about Snyder's films. They're not just rah-rah cheer movies. There's so much feeling. Not heart, but feeling, because the feelings in it include love, as you said, but also fear and terror, but also commitment to other souls. To me, that's the connection between Batman and Superman that Snyder has found. I think many viewers respond to that. Well, now it's necessary for them to have that response against the mainstream media who don't want a unified society or a unified humanity any longer. They profit from sowing antagonism and, and distrust. Snyder's movies help us fight that. 
Yes, exactly. It's a cinema dedicated to not just reminding us, but convincing us if we need to be convinced that we are not helpless and hopeless, that we have something better than sarcasm or hysteria as reactions to our very troubling times. As you said, Snyder achieved a kind of connection between these two shining stories, Batman and Superman, the biggest popular stories since the 30s and the 60s, respectively, just don't go away. And in his case, he can show what it means on the one hand for Superman to hold on to his humanity despite his power, and on the other hand for Batman not to lose his humanity because of this weakness that makes him so incredibly angry. And with Batman, he achieves a portrait that is very rare in the movies of how did America react to the world after 9-11? How did Americans react to the terrible dangers that suddenly they faced? And the portrayal, mythically, of 9-11 in Batman versus Superman is daring, and it is at the same time honest. He's not merely trying to comment on events or make a reference to it. it, says this is what it felt like to be American. And of course, there was a need to defend ourselves. Of course, we suddenly realized that protection is a very urgent problem, but we don't know what we're dealing with. And yes, there is something terribly dangerous in powers that awaken out of that fear, But nevertheless, Batman is not inhuman in as much as in his portrayal, he criticizes a certain part of American politics, of American patriotism. He does it on the basis of American patriotism. He is neither a stranger to this nor uh, an opponent of it. His earnestness, that is the, the episode when Superman and Batman, in a way, have something in common in this name Martha. It was derided or it was called meaningless, but in fact, it points to a certain identity in humanity, in the family, in giving birth, in something that, of course, neither of these heroes can do. Just because it's honest doesn't make it stupid. It just happens to be fundamentally true. And to show that even this vision of patriotism that was so wounded and endangered was based on something good and, and something noble in a desire to protect the vulnerable and therefore to acknowledge that human beings are vulnerable. We all must square at some level with death. Now, that is a picture of agonized patriotism, but it is not dismissive. It is not sarcastic. It's not condescending. He doesn't think he is superior to it or that we should pretend to be superior. He says, no, this is America. When you see this movie, you will feel it all over again. You will remember the way you felt after 9-11 and for years and see what the good and bad of it was, recollect it with just enough detachment to not get caught up in a quarrel about politics all over again, but see morally, why did we feel this way? Who are we? That's a rare achievement. And he does it in a way that makes it accessible also to young people who are too young to be part of those events, but who are, as Americans, of course, caught up in the national drama, even though they are a new generation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Martha incident is very interesting. Because the idea of Martha, it was derided by some. And that derision is interesting. And derision tells us the problem we're up against. It tells us where some people are emotionally, intellectually, and politically. The personage of Martha, that that would be laughed at, it simply tells you there's a lingering childishness in the pop audience that a serious artist has to lift up and simply but profoundly remind the audience that you are human that we all have a Martha, and that this is the connection to remembering who we are as people, as, as souls, as human beings, as souls. And we know that kids, especially teenagers, or, or the adolescent mentality will laugh at something that comes too close to feelings that are they're more powerful than they're willing to deal with. And 
that's just such a remarkable moment in Batman v Superman and Martha being the remembrance of a mother. Because you can also think about Martha as Martha Washington. I think it's consistent with the idea of exploring American history, exploring cultural history, Western history as well, but American history in particular, exploring it in ways that remind us of our humanity and also exploring that idea with such richness that, well, it brings to mind another Martha, Edward Albee's Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is a kind of satirical reference to George and Martha Washington. But also the Martha character, as my friend, the critic John Dimitri said, her final words in the Albee play is, I am. And her fear is fear of too much sophistication, fear of over-sophistication that removes us from the things that are crucial in our survival and our understanding of each other and of ourselves, of course, but our understanding of each other. The Martha moment you know, being ridiculed is, is an interesting moment to think about because it, it points at what makes Snyder's Batman Superman movies special and worthy of, of, of serious contemplation. Yes, and we could add why we call people Martha in the first place, which is, of course, the gospel. It's Mary and Martha. And you yes. would say it's typically American to identify with the sons of Martha in the phrase of Rudyard Kipling's poem. To, with the hardworking, hard-achieving, the race of engineers, the strivers, people who succeed, but who in another sense are cursed to have to do this. They are not simply blessed. It's a hard life and it is often pitiless. And so, yeah, anyone with the required education in American history, in the Bible, and, and of course, as you say, in American drama of the 20th century, will find these things there. And these are better ways of looking at the matter than mere derision. I think you're exactly right that we have come to a situation where much of our audience is not what it should be. And especially the critics do not have this appreciation for American history, for the Bible, for uh, even the history of drama to look to these things. And instead they feed the most childish, irresponsible tendencies, which I think you have diagnosed exactly correctly for a long time. Audiences have refused to look at what is ennobling in our pop culture because to look at it squarely in the face without flinching might make you cry. It might make you realize something about your own vulnerability that you don't want to deal with. And right. so these things become ever more symbolic in movies and ever less seriously taken. And then there is Zack Snyder who simply puts it there in the middle of a conflict. It turns out that this fight is not about nerd fantasies about who's tougher, Batman or Superman, or uh, did he get the details right, or what is the gear involved? No, it's about love, and it's about vulnerability, and it's about family. This is what is at the core of these men that is revealed in their conflict, and we just have to face that, because it happens to be true. Oh yes, that's so true. His cinematic artistry, his ability to put ideas and feelings into an image is not surpassed by anyone else at the moment. And so this, I think, is, is also part of the problem with the variety attack, where television and streaming have challenged the art of cinema. And what other way to promote streaming and content making promoted by attacking a true cinema artist, one whose filmmaking uses the image for expressiveness rather than just a way of killing time and to suggest that there is no heart in Snyder's filmmaking is inadvertently an expression of the inability to see visual art, to appreciate how powerful many of Zack Snyder's images are. 
what comes to mind in particular, though, is the last shot in Batman v Superman, which is the image of the uh, Superman's grave that starts to tremble. And you see pieces of earth rise up from the coffin itself. And it's simply an amazing image of the idea of resurrection. And it's purely cinematic. It's mightily expressive. And that goes beyond the idea of heart because it stirs the imagination. It stirs the soul, especially if one has Judeo-Christian education, which people in the West used to have in common. And who expected such a thing from a DC comic book movie, of all things? The ability to use images in that way is special. And of course, that's not the only great image that Snyder has put on screen. But I think we're now in a place where so many of us have relied on mere time-killing content. We forget to look at images for their expressiveness. That is the essence of cinema, putting an idea in an image. Cinema is not dialogue, it's imagery. Imagery that has meaning, meaning that can be grasped and meaning that moves you. We have to remember that and defend it. Yes, exactly. Cinema as a dialogue is a dialogue between an artist and an audience, not between characters on screen. It is as a work of art, an attempt to put the artist and the audience together. In another way, the audience is the elector. Cinema is not politics, but it speaks to our moral and political fundamental ideas. As you say, this is the sort of stuff that is at once arresting and reflecting in as much as it stuns you it gives you the opportunity, indeed it almost requires of you to dwell on it. Why does this move you so? To, to be moved by images is to some extent to admit that they are, they're onto something there. Mm -hmm. It's not just content, it's not just entertainment, and of course it's not just ideology. That's what makes cinema the enemy of our elites, including of course Hollywood, which is busy killing cinema, if at all possible, to reduce it to a combination of content and woke, combined as woke content, woke reboots of this, that, or the other, is to try to persuade everybody that if you ever thought some story mattered, it mattered to you, it spoke to you, it showed you something of yourself that you're not aware of, it doesn't matter, it's just content. Just laugh at it, go past it. Consume it and move on. Don't take yourself seriously by seeing yourself in the stories of America, in the American stories, which is what Hollywood used to do. And I agree, if you look at this, as you say, the closing shot of Man of Steel, there you see Snyder learning from and rivaling Spielberg. There you see, there's hope for cinema. Whether he can win this rather lonely fight against the streaming, the content. After all, look at Marvel. There is, cinema is reduced to television. Everything is just another episode. Here's an episode right. of this, here's an episode of that. Here's the episode where they do this thing that doesn't matter, and then there'll be another one that doesn't matter. And that's all you need. You'll get some fun out of it. It'll be glitzy. It'll be full of sound and fury, and it'll signify nothing. And that will reassure you that you, you're, you don't really need anything beyond the ordinary. You, know, you don't need, that is to say, anything other than what our elites and criticism in culture material work or culture industry and of course in Hollywood and in all these corporations in tech, anything more than what they can offer you. But what they offer is dehumanizing. Of course everybody needs more than that. Oh absolutely and those ideas can be felt in Army of the Dead. With Army of the Dead Snyder has sort of returned to his start as a filmmaker with Dawn of the Dead. But a lot has happened to him and the world and America since then not just his personal family battles, but his career battles. 
Here we have an artist in the comic book movie era, and he's often attacked or prevented from telling stories about heroism. So he returns in Army of the Dead to the ghoulish zombie genre, which I think can also be seen as his admission that this is a battle he's engaged in, a battle against the kind of cynicism and nihilism that the zombie genre represents. So he returns to it, but he returns to it because it reflects something that he's going through as a man and as an artist, and that we are also going through. And we are also confronted with the, the zombification, the dehumanization of civilization and of our common humanity. It's a very dark and challenging movie because those ideas are there. And I think it's fascinating to see Snyder work through that battle that he's engaged in, that we ourselves are engaged in. Are we now a nation of zombies, an, an army of the dead ourselves? And what are we going to do about it? I think that's right. In 2021, you get these two movies, and Zack Snyder offers us a beautiful and an ugly vision of the American future, almost as though it's a choice. In which way is America going to go? What are we going to do about this, this entire drama? And you can see it's a movie he felt strongly about. He wrote and directed, he produced, and he shot it. He's the cinematographer on the picture. If he had also edited, I would have wondered just how far is he going to go? So it's quite an effort put into this. And as you say, in some way, it means going back to this old script he had and bringing it up to date, going back to the beginnings of his career and reflecting on what has he achieved, if anything, in Hollywood in America. And with Army of the Dead, you see something that is very dear to Zack Snyder's heart, our Greek inheritance, excellence, beauty, heroism, epic poetry, sculpture. On every Zack Snyder set, there's a gym and he forces everybody to go to the gym like he does. It's not because a gym will make you manly or because muscles will make you manly, but because they speak to beauty and striving. He wants an actor to suffer for his role, to get out of his head and to put in the time. Zack Snyder is most famous with the largest audience for 300. It's where he has become globally famous. These memes simply circulate around the world and kids too young to have seen the movie when it came out circulate these images from it and hopefully follow the images back to their source. That's his Greek movie, fighting for freedom against slavery, against a kind of sophisticated organization that is utterly rotten. But it's not the only case. His Justice League involves these stories of ancient politics, these beautiful, splendid, but cruel societies of antiquity that also, he says in the movie, had to fight off nihilism. And in other movies, of course, it is present again and again. But in Army of the Dead, all of a sudden, this Greek beauty is turned into a horror. It's Olympus, it's a casino, it's in Vegas on the Strip, and it's zombies of a particularly terrifying kind, suggesting that America has done something that might turn much more dangerous than it seems, that somehow this corruption that he shows as Vegas in the movie, it's money-grubbing, it's desperate, but in a way it's a hatred of greatness that corrupts why we look to Greek beauty and excellence in the first place. We long for greatness. And instead of having that, which is the vision of America you get in Justice League, you get instead this terrible danger. What happens if you corrupt people? What happens if you take their love of greatness, their desire for striving for manliness and make it into something horrible? In Army of the Dead, you see, as it were, if, what if our liberal woke elites succeed and castrate the nation, make it illegal to be a man, make it something to humiliate people over? 
i.e., what, what are these zombies in Vegas? They're toxic masculinity. What happens if you do that to a nation? Well, you're not going to like the results. Sure. To me, looking at the zombies in Army of the Dead, it reminds me of, of a famous story that Sam Peckinpah used to tell about working in Hollywood. He didn't use the zombie metaphor. He said that it's full of jackals, which is close enough to the zombie metaphor. And I think that's part of what animates Army of the Dead, the Snyder's awareness of the kind of treachery that is afoot in Hollywood and now is afoot across the country. That kind of treachery is something that endangers us and that we have to rise against. But that rising against it is a personal matter, too, where we have to find our core, we have to find our integrity. We have to rethink and reconsider and learn again what it is that's important to us. It's not money. There are other things that are important to us, such as family, such as love and loyalty and principles. Those are the things that we have to fight for against the jackals, against the zombies. It's an ongoing struggle. Yeah, and that happens to be the core of Army of the Dead. Here's a ragtag assembly of heroes who are risking their souls for money. What does the money mean to them? To somebody, it means maybe he can be a father by sacrificing for his daughter and giving her a future. There are human motivations there that have something noble to them, or at any rate, understandable, but they might become corrupted. And so there is this hysterical vision, Vegas is hell on earth, which in a sense is true, just like, as you say, in a sense, Hollywood is a bunch of jackals, a little better than zombies. This might seem hysterical, but it's, on the other hand, a very accurate picture of why so many Americans are rebelling against this oligarchy. Again, through the imagery and through the emotions with which we respond to the images, we see his plight. And in a way, it is personal to Zack Snyder. As you said in your review, Army of the Dead rehearses some of James Cameron's aliens down to the badass Hispanic female soldier and to the fact that there is a traitor among the group of stalwart heroes that remind us of the Western. And he is the company man. He is the corporate guy. Well, you know, isn't that true of Zack Snyder personally, that the producers, the people who work for the studio betrayed him, tried to destroy his career and almost ruined his very ambitious work, Justice League? So as you suggested, it's also working through his own career and his drama. And of course, the core of the story is the relationship between a father and a daughter. And Snyder has lost one daughter in these years. Again, you see how strangely honest for an artist who is so stylish and who is sometimes talked of as though his style were gimmicks. He's making images because they're impressive. No, he's remarkably honest. That's a very American thing, a desire to show himself to the nation, to his audience, as he is, in the hope that he does well enough that people will approve and be impressed with his work. And that is to say they have some kind of community with his audience. He's not just playing with other people's feelings. He's putting his own feelings on the line. He's revealing himself if he's asking his audience to respond honestly and deeply from their own lives and their own suffering. Right. That's what an artist does. An artist reveals himself. He's not simply making product, making content, but he's revealing himself. People who pretend to be critics have forgotten that that's really what it's about. How much of yourself can you reveal as a filmmaker or do you reveal as a filmmaker? And in revealing yourself, how deeply do you touch your audience and helping them to realize who they are? When you reveal yourself to someone, they have to reflect upon that. In art, the identity of a character doesn't matter, but we should see ourselves in a character. That's when you know a piece of narrative art is working, when you, you see your emotions in the character, whether or not the character looks like you, that fallacy that's afoot these days, that some characters have to look like us. No, no, no. They have to feel like us. 
That's what a real artist accomplishes. Yes, indeed. The framework for that is somehow the American journey. To see ourselves, to feel that this character says something about my heart, my soul, my troubles, because somehow they're recognizably American and ultimately human. The framework for the story is the great American journey from back before aliens to stagecoach. You see American society in a bunch of human types. And the question is always, will they be able to hang together? Will the ship of state sail on or will Americans fall on each other? Will they understand their freedom to mean working together or working against one another? In Army of the Dead, it looks like maybe they'll all be just mercenaries. And in being mercenaries, they will deserve their freedom. And not least of all, because to be mercenary in America now is to not realize that the regime is on the line. That there are things about an entire way of life with the past and the future that are in danger, not just one's own interests or urgent concerns. Even in this darkest movie, he still shows there's something noble in these losers. They're not just ordinary people, they're losers at the same time, because nowadays we tend to feel like losers. We tend to look with more than a little anger or heartbreak, a feeling of betrayal. We're more than a little inclined to suspect insult or humiliation whenever somebody tries to address the public. And for good reason. It is the case that we are deeply despised by elites, by an oligarchy that hates us above all because they have shared their humanity with us. And so it's very hard for audiences to even respond honestly and to be moved. Nevertheless, the threat is, like in this movie, that we will only discover our common humanity when it's too late, that we will hide behind money because it seems to like it can satisfy any desire, and not realize in time that there is something very contemptible in this attitude, that it's a kind of juvenile revenge. We no longer have the daring to believe in worthwhile things, and so we believe in money instead as a revenge. And that kind of cynicism is deeply corrupting, and it might be that trying to recover from that will only come too late. So there is much that is admonitory about his vision. It's not trying to punish America, but as it were, to shake America up, to see that this is not the path down which we should be going. I love that you bring in uh, John Ford's Stagecoach, which I just saw recently. Such a great film, such a seminal myth, to use a term that Zack Snyder would appreciate. And think about the final line in, in Stagecoach, where, where Thomas Mitchell says that they are saved, I think, from the blessings of civilization. This is also a theme, I think, in Army of the Dead. It was true. It was true in 1939. And that struggle was true in 1939. It's true today. Yes, indeed. And in a way, this is the story of cinema. It's, it was John Ford, and now somebody has to pick up that ball and run with it, as we used to say mm-hmm. about football. Zack Snyder is one of the few men trying to do that. He can honestly face the nation and say something that is true and moving and timely at the same time, and who has persuaded a great many people, a larger audience than anybody else, that looking at our situation in a mythical form will reveal things to us. It will not be escapist. We'll only be escaping from the confusion and the fake news of the times. We will, instead of being drowning in content or dying of entertainment, we will be struck by cinema And in a way, set free, we'll finally see what the hell is happening with us. What cinema has always promised Americans, that's why we remember those John Wayne, John Ford Westerns, and indeed everything else that has stuck with us. And hopefully that will also be true of some of Zack Snyder's work. And in the meanwhile, it's our job as critics to do this work, 
Few people do it quite at your level. I have learned from you for the last decade reading you. And as always, I am grateful for your friendship and for these conversations. Me too. <laughs> A different kind of me too movement. I, I appreciate you saying that, Titus, and I, I thank you for your, for your conversation and your friendship. Armand, it's always a pleasure. And let us find yet another subject and get back to the, our conversations. And hopefully our audience will follow us and then see that the love of cinema and the conversation, there is friendship and there's a kind of respite from the content of social media. There are better things we can do. And it's up to us to show that. That's true. That's, you're very right. All the best meanwhile. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.